You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. What's up, Instagram and TikTok? I'm live here both with you on a beautiful Friday morning, um, hanging out, answering some questions today. As always, I love, I love, I love uh, bringing you on live and answering your questions. So if you want to come on live, if you have some questions, come on and do so. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Little Miss. Hello, Vet. Official Club Med volunteering. Hello, hello. So I am live on Instagram and TikTok together. I got I got both of my phones right next to each other on a uh, new a new little double mount uh, just to come hang out with you all. So it's uh, it's been a week. It's been a week. Uh, I got my COVID booster uh, that destroyed me, uh, but I'm feeling a little bit better and ready to rock and roll. So. Uh, for those of you on IG, if you want to come on and um, ask some questions, join me live, you can do so. Uh, TikTok, I'm watching you as well. If you want to ask some questions in the chat, I'll be uh, I'll be answering you over on TikTok as well. Um, Nick says, old pre-med, just starting out feeling bummed after a bad physics exam. Need to pick me up. Nick, it's just one test, one test, one test. That's all. Max, any updates on YouTube? No updates. So for all of you who don't know, my my YouTube uh, channel was um, uh, hacked, I guess is one way to say it, and uh, was taken down by YouTube. So I, I am actively talking with YouTube. They're investigating it. Um, I'll get it back. I, I, I have faith that I'll get it back. So... Uh, Again, for those of you who want to come on live uh, and ask a question, do so. That's the best way that I love to interact with you all here on these Friday mornings. Um, so you can uh, you can click that little camera icon on IG and come and ask me some questions. Uh, we got a couple here. A TikTok dance in a Gators shirt. No, no, we're not doing uh, that. What what is this? Be your backup for eshadowing whenever guests cannot make it. I don't know where these are coming from, but okay. Um, how do you limit human error on exams? Content not a problem, just error by human mistakes. I don't know what you mean by that. Equally TV, um, and that's what the test is. It's it's either you don't know it or you make a dumb mistake. Uh, dumb mistake. So that's just that's just life. Uh, most tests are are going to challenge your ability to trust yourself, right? Uh, and, and so it's just something you have to learn along the way. Uh, Non-trad students insecure about applying as an undocumented student. Any words of encouragement? So I don't think you should have, I mean, I, I don't think you should have. I mean, you do have. It's it's a, a normal, valid feeling of, of being insecure. It, it's not insecure. It's just tough as an undocumented student. I'm working with a student right now who's undocumented applying to medical school. And and she's very, very, very limited with, with the number of schools that she can apply to and how they will uh, treat her. So. We shall see. Zoe, I've had a rough semester debating withdrawing all of my classes. How bad would this be? Um, it's not that bad, right? If if someone sees that you have a whole semester of withdrawals, they'll go, oh, something happened here. And you'll just have to explain it, right? What You'll have to just explain what happened and why you chose to withdraw from your courses. Um, I, I don't think that's a huge issue. Withdrawals are not a huge issue. All right, all right, all right. Uh, let's bring on some more people. I think I clicked someone. Yeah, there we go. Hello, hello. Hello there. How are you doing, Dr. Gray? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I just had just, I was typing up in the message that I had accidentally rejected the first, uh, uh, the first um, invite, but I'm glad I'm on here. I just had a question for MCAT. Yeah. And the uh, MCAT timeline. So I'm a senior studying biology and um, I was supposed to, didn't really decide on, uh, you know, I wasn't set on um, uh, the pre-med, the whole pre-med thing until um, mid-junior year. So I'm kind of behind with, uh, you know, most of the uh, activities, MCAT, all that. So I'm taking the MCAT 
um, sometime in the spring. The plan was to take it this January in a couple months, but uh, that doesn't seem realistic right now. And uh, my question is, I could, um, that was the plan initially, take it in January. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to need a couple more uh, months. Now, my question is, I was thinking of doing either, you know, March or April, but uh, knowing myself, I would, I would, I think I would prefer having at least two or three weeks of full-time um, studying. So okay. naturally, the, the other option to fulfill that would be either late May or early June. Yeah. My, yeah, my question is trying to balance those and trying to see which, which benefit outweighs like being early versus being not early, but potentially having a better MCAT prep. Yeah. Um, how would a, 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 like a June 4th, that's what I'm currently registered for right now, June okay. 4th MCAT. How, how does that tie into yeah. the whole uh, timeline? A, Ju a June 4th MCAT in the grand scheme of things is not an issue. Because you'll get your score back in a month, July 4th, right? Let's assume that uh, medical schools, they get their first wave of applications typically mid-June, right? You submit applications. Ap applications open up. Let's let's rewind a little bit. Talk timeline, big picture. I haven't I haven't really did the whole timeline in, in a while. So big picture timeline is applications open up beginning of May, and it's usually like boom, 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 back to back to back. TMDSAS, AMCAS, ACOMAS all open up uh, usually within days of each other. ACOMAS is the only one right now that you can submit immediately. TMDSAS last year added a delay. It was just a two-week delay, I think, roughly, um, to be able to submit your application. AMCAS has historically had about a month delay, right? Historically, we say June 1st is AMCAS day. The last couple mm -hmm. of years, it's been the end of May. So when you submit your application, it goes through a verification process. But what a lot of students don't know is that applications don't go out to schools, at least for Comus and, and AMCAS, until a very specified day. It's not, you submitted your application, it's verified, it's off to the school. The application services hold the applications until they're ready to, to push them all to the schools or, or open up and let the schools pull them. That is typically mid-June for a Comus and third week plus of June for AMCAS. And then the medical schools do their thing and they start sending out secondary essays and they wait for those. And then you add a couple weeks onto that. You're looking at late June, first week or two of July before medical schools even start to get the secondaries back to do anything with an application. But yeah. what's also happening at the same time is they're finalizing their class for the last cycle. So the admissions, the admissions office never sleeps, right? They're so, going yeah, they're, they're, they're around long. And so what they potentially do is they go, you know what? We finalized our class. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go on my little two-week vacation. And then they come back. And historically, what I say is like end of July, beginning of August, that's when you start to see a lot of action in terms of interview invites. So a June 4th MCAT, with a July 4th score release doesn't do anything to delay your application. Okay. What it does do is gets in the way of everything because you're taking classes, but it sounds like you'll be done with classes, but you're working on primary application, personal statement, activity descriptions, still potentially doing clinical experience, research, whatever, and doing MCAT prep. That, to me, is why it's a bigger recommendation to take the MCAT early, to get it out of the way so that you can focus on applications. How about, because it's, it's that, that's definitely part of the dilemma, you know, having to, you know, that build up to May or June and yeah. having to do both of those things at the same time, yeah. uh, which is why I was thinking, you know, it's, Pretty early on yet. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, seven, eight months um, ahead. Uh, there's a winter break ahead. So what, what if I 
kind of slowly but surely work my application. I already have a, a good draft on my uh, personal statement. Um, and then have hopefully be done with that and do the whole uh, committee letter thing by March. Mm-hmm. Um, and then have that ready to go and then potentially submit without an MCAT early on. Yeah. And then just take the MCAT later. You can do it. Okay. Um, the thing is, I'm also a Texas resident, so do you know if, how, if Team DACS would be different? Because I think they're no. kind of shifted a little bit earlier, right? They're, they're shifted a little bit earlier, although last year, again, was the first time where they added a little bit of a delay between <clears throat> when the application opened up and when you could submit. It's it's to be determined whether or not they'll do that again this year. Um, I don't know if they were testing something or if it was just like they had some tech issues that they were working out. I don't know. So, yeah. I don't know. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for the insight and uh, hope yeah. you have a good day. You're welcome. Have a great day. All right. Um, Tatiana, have two acceptances now. Awesome. Congrats. Uh, over on TikTok, MF New uh, says, a physician suggested applying to PA school if I don't get in this cycle, then going to medical school. That is the worst advice in the world. Let me go get into debt for PA school so that I can go get into more debt for medical school. That's ridiculous. Hello, Sunshine Kane. Oh my God, I listened to you 2X on, on YouTube. Thank you. So right now I sound really slow, but I can really speed it up if you want me to talk faster. <laughs> Just kidding. Hello, Adrian. Hello, my friend. Um, all right, all right, all right. Uh, Rev on TikTok, how would we go about having you review my personal statement? Is that something you offer? So I am doing much, much, much less uh, one-on-one stuff. I, I now have an amazing team of advisors over at Mapped. Uh, which is my newest company, um, where my partner Rachel Grubbs is over on the uh, the Instagram uh, comments as well. Hello, Rachel. Um, so we have Dr. Scott Wright, former director of admissions at UT Southwestern. He used to run the whole TMDSAS program uh, application service. Um, so. Uh, if you are looking for any sort of help, then you can go over to mappedmappd.com to look at uh, whatever services you need. Um, or you can read books, watch any of our free resources, YouTube series, etc. Um, lots of free stuff out there for everyone. Uh, again, if you want to come on live with us here on Instagram, you can do so. Uh, Claudia, hello, second year med student here. Do you have residency application resources or a resource in mind? I don't, Claudia. It's one of the big gaps out there. Uh, a lot of students that I work with like a year or two or three or four ago. Hello, Tatiana, one second. Um, That's okay. Uh, reach out to me and they go, hey, like you helped me with my personal statement for medical school. Can you help me with my my personal statement for uh, for residency? Because there's there's not a lot of services out there. Med School Tutors is a company out there um, that does it. I don't know them personally. I don't vouch for them, but it's just one resource that I know, um, and I haven't I haven't vetted anything. Uh, it's definitely something that we're interested in doing at Mapped. Eventually, is really kind of A to Z, making sure that you make it through all the way to the end. But unfortunately, no. Really, at the end of the day, my my advice for writing personal statements for your medical school application is the same. It's all storytelling. And how do you tell your story? Which is a good segue to Tatiana with two medical school acceptances. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Hello. So, yeah, so I have uh, so far two. I have I'm waiting for another one. I had an interview in the, uh, the UNCOM in Maine. Yep. Uh, I have another, two more uh, interviews coming up. November and January. Well, my question is actually, uh, so I am, you know what? I don't know if it's better to have just one school accepted and then you don't have to worry about making a choice or because, you know, DO schools have like a 2000 deposit. Yeah. So we can't really afford paying for every school. It's that I, I hate the fact that DO schools take advantage of students with the high deposits. It's, It's crazy. And, and so my husband and I were trying to, you know, see, uh, but because I have to make a first payment for the first school that I got accepted and yeah. by, um, by December. Yep. So we're trying to see, okay. So if I have this, you know, two acceptances and maybe if, if you have more coming up, 
or not, like how to narrow down to only choose one duo school that we actually like settle onto. But I, so one of the schools that I got accepted to was RVU.com. And I mean, I love the school. Yeah. Utah, Colorado. about it. Utah or Colorado? in, no, it's in Parker, Colorado. Well, there, so there's, there's, two, there. there, there's two RVUs. There's there's one in Utah yeah. as well. And and there's yeah, going to so be one, the one in, in Colorado. Yeah. Idaho? Is that where the new one is? In Idaho or Wyoming? Somewhere. Uh, I think it's in Utah. No, no, no. There's there's another new one that they're opening. Oh, there's another one. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know where anyway. the other one is. So you're going to be in Parker here in Colorado. So come here. Well, yeah. But so my... My concern is, you know, that's the only school that is for profit so far out of no. my list. Oh, okay, okay, okay. For on your list, and, yeah. Yes, and I don't, I don't know if it makes any difference or no. like. It doesn't. I don't know. No, it doesn't. The, the okay, du- cool. the AMC is is not for profit, and they are one of the most evil organizations in this whole process. For okay, for good. profit, <laughs> not for profit, doesn't make a company evil or good. Now, the Caribbean medical schools, a lot of them have made for-profit medical schools a bad thing, right? Mm. When people think of for-profit medical schools, they immediately think of the shady Caribbean medical schools. Not all of them are shady, but a lot of them are. And so that's the the first thing that students think of. But there are many for-profit medical schools, and many is is a little bit hyperbole. Uh, RVU is is a for-profit medical school, but there are several for-profit medical schools now in the states. Um, I think MD and DO, <clears throat> um, and that doesn't that doesn't determine the quality of the ed- education or anything. Uh, I know lots of students who go to RVU and love it. Um, so I, I I would I would. Uh, jump at the chance if that's something you're excited about. Colorado weather is amazing. Um, I so know. <laughs> come join us. But yeah, it's it's hard. Um, the uh, the one issue, and, and Claudia brings up a good point, is is potentially affects scholarships. Um, she goes to UNE where where you also have an acceptance. Uh, she said she wouldn't qualify for her scholarship if it was a for profit school. So if you're looking at potential scholarships, and maybe Claudia can reach out to you, you guys are on different platforms right now. Um, uh, But uh, depending on if you're looking into scholarships and stuff, look and see if that's a stipulation of getting awarded a scholarship if it's a for-profit school or not. So that's a good... Yeah, thank you. I didn't know about that. I will definitely look into that. Thank you. Because I'm making a list, you know, of pros and cons and everything. I'm trying to decide and... It's a, yeah, it's been, it's, fine. <laughs> it's, been it's a, it's a very good problem to have, to have lots of acceptances and, yes, what, I and know, but... what you should be doing now is you have two acceptances and when more interview invites come in, you really have to ask yourself the hard question. And it's a little bit easier now because you don't have to travel. Typically there are some schools doing in-person interviews, um, but you don't have to travel. And so usually the financial question of interviews is, is out of the way. But you really have to ask yourself, like, do I want to go through this pain of preparing for another interview? Is this new school that I was invited for an interview at better than the other schools that I already have an acceptance at? And so you could potentially start turning down interviews at this point and say, you know what? Thank you very much. But I have acceptances already. So, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. I have because I live in Vallejo, California, mm-hmm. and I applied to Tour California, which okay. is like. 10 minutes from me, literally down the road. And um, I got an interview, which is in November, and I'm trying to make a decision whether I need to still keep the interview or not. And I'm like, because there's just too many things to consider. Yeah, there's a lot. So, yeah, there's a lot. But thank you for answering. And thank you to Claudia. I will definitely look into the scholarship part of it. Yes, thank you. She's Claudia.med over on TikTok. All right. Um, awesome. Awesome. What were her stats? So Rev, I, I typically like, I'll ignore those types of questions. And I, I think they're useless questions to ask. I, I understand the allure of like, Ooh, what were your stats? Because it, it, you, you as in pre-meds in general think, Oh, if I can get those stats, then I can get into medical school too. 
And if you listen to me long enough, if, if you've listened to, to or watched my YouTube videos or listened to any of my podcasts, you'll know that I think stats are one of the last things to think about when it comes to applying to medical school in terms of where to go, where to apply. The way that I talk about stats is you have to be good enough, right? Your stats have to be good enough to be reviewed. Your stats have to be good enough to be asked for an interview invite. So just because Tatiana had, and I'm just making up numbers here, a 3.7 and a 5.10, doesn't mean if you get a 3.7 and a 5.10, you'll get into the same schools that she did. That's just not how this process works, okay? So I want you to, to get out the... Uh, Get out of that mindset, and life will be much, much better. Um, I knew you would hate that question. <laughs> That's Hi. awesome. Hello there. Hi. Hello. What's up? Do you have a question? Or not? All right. Goodbye. Uh, let's bring on someone else. Dr. Batty. <laughs> hello, hello. Um, all right. This is fun being on TikTok and Hi. Instagram at the same time. Hello there. Hi, how are you? I'm wonderful. What's going on? What can I help you with? So I have a couple of questions. Okay. I decided at the end of my undergrad, so my last year, to go to medical school. Okay. But I took years to graduate. So I have over 150 hours. Okay. So I have three years of my senior credits. Yep. So upward trend after I decided to go to medical school, it still doesn't show how great of an upward trend I had for my senior credits. False, 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 false. So th this is one of the biggest like misconceptions that students have about how medical schools see data. What you're thinking about is the PDF document that I always show when I'm doing my YouTube videos and where I'm, I'm, uh, I'm breaking down students' applications. Medical schools don't get that PDF. That's just for you, the student, when you print out your application. Medical schools get every single data point and they manipulate it, they graph it, they chart it, they filter it, they sort it however they want. So what you will see when you print your PDF is, is let, let's just say 15 hours freshman year at whatever GPA, 15 hours sophomore year at whatever GPA, 15 hours uh, um, and it should be 30, 30, 30, right? I'm doing semesters, right? 30, 30 hours freshman, 30 hours sophomore, 30 hours junior. And then you have, right, uh, you have 90 credit hours for your senior year at, at a GPA that also includes maybe a, a poor real senior year GPA. But what medical schools can do is they can go, show me only the last 20 credit hours. Show, show me only the last 50 credit hours, not senior year. They can manipulate, sort, filter however they want because they get every single data point. They don't just get a PDF to look at. Okay. Because my overall is like a 3.08, but okay. my, my last year of undergrad is a 3.7. Great. But then I also, um, I was accepted into a one-year master's program here in Texas that my advisor recommended that I do. Okay. Started my summer semester and then left because of COVID, because of financial constraints from it. It kind of hit us all like a truck. Yep. <laughs> so I've been scribed for eight months, and then I returned to my graduate program this year when I built up funding. So okay. I'm hoping that I do well in this, and I'm glad that I've got – I'm actually pretty glad that COVID happened so I could go into the clinic earlier and see what I liked. Yeah, but. yeah. I, I don't know if I would say <laughs> that you're glad COVID happened. COVID has well, some silver linings. Oh go to um, yes. my job instead of grad school and kind of messing yes. up my timeline a yes. little bit. There, there, cool. <laughs> there are some silver linings there. Um, cool. Okay. Any other questions? Uh, well, the one-year degree is for molecular diagnostics. Well, okay. my advisor recommended it to me. I don't know if it's the best choice that I could have done for helping me demonstrate that I can do the coursework. Why is there not? anything that you recommended further do? 
What kind of classes were you taking? So currently I'm taking pathophysiology, human molecular genetics, um, applied molecular techniques, which is an eight-hour lab course where we're working with gels and PCR. Sounds like and hard sciences. Why would that not be good? <laughs> I just worried because it's not considered an SMP. No, that doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. It's um, rigorous though. We take 18 hours of graduate coursework right now, three exams every week. Yeah. So the the only like the only concerning part would be if the courses themselves are not quote unquote hard science courses, right? Where where students will go do an MPH thinking, oh, I'm doing a master's degree. It's gonna help me prove that I'm academically capable. And it's just, it just doesn't. Uh, but mm -hmm. but the courses you're taking sound like they're perfectly rigorous, and uh, as long as you do well in them, you'll you'll be great. Okay, and then I had one more question about it. So yeah. I did take two anatomy and physiology classes okay. during back time in between, but because of COVID, they were online. Yep. And so I eat. I made like bees in them, but okay. I worried because I had the upward trend at the end of my senior year, and then it dipped again. Will they will be understanding because of COVID? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's fine. Okay. One, one okay. class, two classes aren't going to make or break you. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You're I welcome. I love watching class. It made me feel like I could actually go to medical school. You because can. Because I didn't think I could. With you my can. Background. So thank yes, you. you can. You can. I get so much flack from advisors who, who now tell students, right? When I started this whole thing <laughs> almost 10 years ago now, it's crazy to think. I, I started my website, Medical School HQ. I think I, I registered it February of 2012. So 10 years ago, in or 10 years in February. Um, Mickey says, my advisor was great and recommended you. Awesome. Uh, I'm getting a lot of students saying, my advisor tells me to stay away from you, which I'm like, why? Why? Like, I, I'm, I'm just trying to give you all the information you need, give you motivation. Like, I talk to advisors who are like, why do you tell students that they can get into medical school? I'm like, because they can? Like, I mean, obviously, you got to do well enough. And if, if you get a 2.0 and a 480, you're not going to get into med school. But oh, the world needs a little positivity. Come on, people. Oh, daintily strong. Your school lost your advisor. That's not good. Um, hello, hello. Hi, how are you? Wonderful. What's going on? So I have a question. So I'm applying next cycle and my parents are really, are like, essentially, is there one thing that medical schools prefer we do in our gap year or we can do like anything? Because I got a job at Epic uh, Systems, which is basically healthcare IT. So it's a different side of healthcare that I would be looking at, but everyone's like, uh, how is it going to help you in any way? Yeah. So... I don't like to look at things in terms of, is it going to help my application or is it not going to help? The way that you should be looking at what you are filling your time with is, <laughs> yes, Rachel, we are not anti-advisor. We are anti-naysayers. Um, Rachel always adds some clarification for me because I, I speak in a little hyperbole sometimes. Um, the... Um, the thing that you should be thinking about is what does my application look like now? What do my actions show over time? If you don't have any clinical experience, you don't have any shadowing, and you spend your gap year working at an EMR place that every physician hates, then you are going to be questioned why do you want to be a physician when none of your actions support that? But if you have lots of clinical experience and even while working at Epic, you continue to get clinical experience once a week, once a month, whatever it is, just sprinkled throughout, then great, go and do that. If you think you will be happy doing that. That, okay. is, that is how I want all of you to think about what you should be filling your time with, especially in gap years, is there's no right or wrong typically for gap years um, other than I want you to keep your foot in the door in the medical world uh, and, and working at Epic while it's in the medical world is not what I mean, right? It's clinical experience mm -hmm. shadowing, that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Because I do have like shadowing and clinical hours already. I just wanted to do something different. <laughs> yeah, and that's well, okay. Was- You're allowed to do something different. And you should probably still do a little bit while you're working at Epic. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was my question. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't work at Epic because they're, they're a horrible EMR system that unfortunately everyone uses. And it's just, it's the bane of every physician's existence. So maybe you can go make it better. <laughs> yeah. Cause I used it as a PCT and it was awful. So maybe that input will yeah. when I work there. Yeah. Have you seen their headquarters? Sorry? Have you seen their headquarters? I am going there next week. They're flying me out. So yeah. I'm pretty excited. No, but but have you like seen it? Have you like seen pictures of it? Have you seen tours of it? Oh no. I have seen crazy. pictures yeah. of it and I'm going there in person. It looks really beautiful. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's it's like they have Alice in Wonderland yeah. room and they have all kinds of crazy themes. I'm like, I'm glad they you guys dragons. are making lots and lots and lots of money, uh, making doctors miserable. But anyway. All right. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I don't have a strong opinion about Epic. That's all right. Uh how do we reach out to doctors to shadow? Email, drop by in person, calls, uh, yeah, all of the above. I wouldn't drop by in person, probably. Um, but yes, anything, anything you want. Are twenty postback credits enough to show an upward trend? It depends, Doctora Batty. It depends on everything. Hello. Hello. How are you? Thanks. I'm good. What can I help you with? <laughs> I'm the the first time is um, that I'm joining in your life, um, but uh, currently I'm at uh, Istanbul, uh, basically from Afghanistan, uh, studying medical. But uh, due to situation that you are maybe well aware that I'm staying here, or that. Okay. And uh, so my career to, uh, and my. Uh, uh, process for uh, joining my uh, field uh, and to be a doctor is stopping now. That is really hurting me. Okay. So what? What's your question? What can I help you with? And I wanna to join uh, some other universities uh, to uh, continue and complete my career and field. Uh, in medical field and that as I'm trying but I don't know that way how should I uh, start so I, I'm not really sure um, what <laughs> I'm not really sure what, what to say uh, if you want to start a medical career here in the states you need to come to the states uh, is that a possibility uh, no, I prepared. Uh, I'm uh, making uh, and pre- prepare my documents uh, to send at uh, Europe uh, um, universities. Uh, yeah. No idea about the United States. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. I don't talk about any of that kind of stuff. I don't I don't have any knowledge, unfortunately, mm-hmm. about any of that kind of stuff. I just help mm-hmm. students here in the states. Nope, I lost her. There you are. So I'm sorry, I can't really help you. Hmm? I didn't hear you. I said, I'm sorry, I can't really help you. Uh, It is okay, thank you. All right. (laughs) All right, all right. Um, I do not know everything, unfortunately. Um, Some of you are saying my sound is bad. I'm sorry. Uh, I've been having lots of problems with the guests' sound, but uh, I don't know. Let's see. Is phlebotomy in a hospital good clinical experience? It is. Are publications necessary when fulfilling research hours? They are not. Hello. Good morning, Dr. Gray. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm here to just kind of ask you the take of, I know that you said that the hours of shadowings and um, the clinical hours should be continuous and should not be stopped. Mm-hmm. But since I'm moving pretty much every every year and a half, every two years, and I have three, four-year-old twins, and super busy, busy husband. So um, for that sake, it's just been kind of hard for me to find a place yeah. to shadow or clinical hours. Um, I had a good amount of clinical hours like long time ago doing surgical um, tech. But for that being said, I don't know how would that affect my application for next year? Yeah, it's it's hard, right? Because again, at the end of the day, your medical school application is your declaration of like, I want to be a doctor. And if yeah. your actions don't speak to that, there's a huge disconnect there. How can you say you want to be a doctor if you haven't really done anything to show that you want to be a doctor? to show that you like being around patients, to show that you like being around physicians, to show that you understand what it's like to be a doctor. And if you have hours from the past, well, then the question is, well, did you just do it to check off a box because that's what you thought you needed to do, right? So you're in this catch-22 situation of, I've done some stuff, I haven't done anything recently, my life isn't really... Um, uh, situated in a way to allow me to do some stuff, but I still want to go to medical school. And so there, there are two options. You apply with what you have and hope that medical schools will understand that, that you still want to go to medical school, even though you don't have the time and opportunities to do what you can do. Um, although with, with COVID, you have e-shadowing, virtual shadowing kind of stuff that you can put on your application. Um, but, uh, or the other option is you delay a year or two so that your kids are older, they go to preschool, you get that situated so that you can start to get your foot back in the door in the clinical world. So the thing is, is really is take at least two years. You know, this, it take about a year to kind of send the application and wait for the, the interview process. And it take about a year to for what prep. For, for prepping the, the application. For medical and school application, not for time, like a job application. Sorry, I can't hear you. For a medical school application, not for a job application. Yes. Yeah. No, for for a medical school application. Yeah. And at the same time, like while having all the kids and for having kids and then prepare for medical applications and stuff like that, I feel like is I feel like the med school should be able to understand that a mother wants to spend carve some time, spend time with the kids before get into med school. Yeah, it, or no? I think it's a it's a valid thing to want medical schools to understand, and I I think they are humans on the other side of the admissions committee that understand that, and there are plenty of people applying to medical school who have no idea what the world of medicine is like, and those are the people that get to medical school. And they they go, peace out. Like, this is not what I signed up for. And medical schools cannot afford that. They need to fill their class. Uh, they need every, every body there because we are little indentured servants, right? And I don't know if that's a PC thing to say or not. But but as as medical students, we are paying to work in the hospital, right? We are little worker bees in the hospital. And... When a medical school does not have a full class, that affects their ability to put little worker bees in all of the little clinics in the hospital, right? And that potentially is a problem, both from a just uh, a human power standpoint, uh, but also from a uh, accreditation potentially standpoint when ACGME or the AOA goes back to the medical schools and they say, well, I see that the national attrition average is 2%. But your attrition average is 4%. Why is it double? Oh, well, we because we love non-traditional students and we've accepted lots of moms who who just didn't get a lot of clinical experience but still wanted to go to medical school. And then they realized, nope, it really wasn't what they thought it was. Gotcha. So I did got a lot of clinical experience um, like probably six years ago. And then I get back, I went back to school mm-hmm. with Kiss and All and then the moving 
But my plan is whenever, wherever I get to med school, I would move there and station there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like, it's not like some, something like I, I would not plan to stay at one place more than two years. No. But the thing is just when I just have to get to med school to be able to decide where I want to live the next five or six years or whatever years. I, so, I, I don't um, understand why where you're living has anything to do with getting clinical experience. Go, go get clinical experience. Well, I have to get everything settled in. Um, it just, I know that maybe it's a lot of it that a lot of people don't understand, but being a mom and trying to get things stable, trying to establish things at the new place, it's actually take a lot more than a person thought. And um, so what I'm hearing you say Right. And I have two little ones and, and they were home all last year with COVID and it threw a wrench in everything that my wife and I were doing. What I'm hearing you say is you can't do anything until everything is perfect. And that's just not reality. I, I definitely have that kind of ideology <laughs> that until things settle down, my kids has kind of like stable environment to be in before yeah. I can. Because these are the things that I want to do, but I feel like as long as I know what I want to do, I should, I know life is stressful, but I feel like I need to take a moment to be with them, especially this age, Yeah. to have that safety established before I actually get busy again. And yeah. that's kind of like my yeah. view of so, so if Adrian's okay, uh, she's at... Uh, staff sergeant to MD PhD here in the comments, SSG.2. MD PhD. Reach out to her through DM. She's an MD PhD student. She's a mom. She's a wife. She's a, a superstar. Um, it, it's interesting because you're basically the opposite of most people, most, most uterus containing humans, where they want to wait until after medical school, after residency to have kids, right? They're waiting until after everything is, is crazy to have kids. When in reality, there's no, exactly, exactly, (laughs) exactly. So you know it from that standpoint, but you're not applying that same logic to, to your life now. And I will tell you one, one of the best uh, things that I ever heard in medical school, it was a panel of, of women physicians. And one of them was a neurosurgeon and and obviously all of the the women in the 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 medical school class were very interested in this whole work life balance and being a mom and being a physician being a surgeon and and the the surgeon was like look kid little kids they don't need you right they need food they need their diaper changed they need right they need cuddles when they get a scrape on their leg it's older kids when they start coming home with questions and like moral and ethical stuff, like that's when they need mommy and daddy to guide them. And I was like, oh, that's a very interesting thing to think about, right? Little kids, they just need to be fed and changed and kept clean and blah, blah, blah. Um, So obviously you need to live your life how you want to live your life, how you want to parent. I disagree on that. Okay, and that's okay. a different take. (laughs) And that's okay. Um, I do have another question for you. Yeah, let's go. because I look at the military um, kind of program, I know that you were a flight surgeon, right? Yep. Or um, Air Force doctors. How did that life feel like? Um, how, how was the, the life of, because I would say <laughs> that you do the same thing, moving station. Yep. But for me, I just, with the healthcare nowadays, I don't know what direction it's going to go. It seems like full policy, full compliant. So I feel like I... Truly, I want to serve, and I don't want to deal with business size of healthcare. So, would that be something better? So, kind of like so better that that comment alone makes me concerned that that you are not going to have a fun life as a physician, because even <laughs> in the military, there's a business side of medicine, and no matter what, and I've I've said this from day one. At the end of the day, when you are a physician, what happens behind closed doors is is what should be motivating you to be a physician. 
There will always be healthcare headaches. There will always be insurance headaches. There will always be a boss telling you to do something you don't want to do. But behind closed doors, when you are taking care of that patient, that is what drives you to be a physician. And so if you're already questioning, like, what's insurance going to be like and what's this and what's that, like, I'm a little scared for you. About having fun being a physician, you mean? Uh, like, what are you, uh, about um, about enjoying your life as a physician? I I think I would be doing fine. I would just consider a different kind of direction. And that being said, like, how was that life being working for um, the government and stuff like that? I'm, I I, really I enjoyed it. I know, know anybody to ask that question? Yeah, I enjoyed it, but I also didn't have kids for the most part at the time. Uh, my daughter was born in 2014. I got out in 2015. I never deployed. Um, uh, I never deployed with kids. Um, and so I never had to deal with being apart from my family. I, I lived apart from my wife for two years. Um, the, the military made me uh, be stationed in Dover, Delaware, while she was in her neurology residency in Boston. So we lived apart for two years. Um, we were married April of 2010. And uh, I was stationed at my first duty station in July of 2010. So we, we were together for three months and then she moved in with her parents awesome. and I moved to Delaware. Uh, and so that was the, the first two years of our marriage. Um, and so when you have little kids, the military doesn't care, right? Your job to, as a military physician uh, or in the military in general is to be ready to deploy, period. Gotcha. So, awesome. That's you, good to hear. You have to what be I'm okay hearing with that. is um, pretty much no sympathy whatsoever. If you are, if you are a mom, you're a mom, right? If you're a mom, you're a mom. You you have a family plan. And, and again, uh, staff sergeant to to MD PhD. She she uh, as as her name entails, staff sergeant uh, has been in the military and and can can talk about that kind of stuff as well. If you. Uh, try to reach out to her. Uh, they they who don't have any sympathy. Uh, who, what is her name again? I've, so SSG dot two dot MDPH. Do you do you might type into the comment? Sure, a Adrian, say hello one more time. There you go. No sympathy. She just she just said. <laughs> it's good to know because I want to prepare because I know that everybody has their own stories and. Um, they want to tell, but at the same time, like, I don't, I don't want to tell stories and try to be a, a person, try to get some sympathy from other side or anything like that. So yeah, it's good to hear, but yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Dr. Gray. You're Have welcome. Good luck. Yeah. All right. So that was an interesting one. I never, I never want to tell people like I'm concerned about you going to medical school or I'm concerned about you being a physician. But there, there are certain words that that um, uh, people talk about, or people say that I'm just like, like I have some concerns. Um, all right, let's bring on the woman of the hour. We've been talking about her enough, so let's go ahead and bring her on. Why not? Hello, Adrian. <laughs> no sympathy. <laughs> what are your thoughts yeah, after really after listening to her? Right now. You're a pickup. Yeah, I'm a pickup right now. Uh, yeah, that was. Um, I understood your concern. Yeah. You can't not do uh, requirements for application because you're applying against people that have met those requirements. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many kids you have. I mean, I had Orion while I was an undergrad, but I still met all the requirements for my MVP program. Yeah. Being a mom is uh, icing on the cake, not a reason to accept you. Yeah. So then, go with Debbie. He's going to listen to the <laughs> yeah. So you can't say, well, they're going to understand because I was a mom. And they'll let me in. No, you have to meet those requirements and then be like, oh, on top of that, I did that as a mom. Yeah. Not the other way around. Yep. Yep. Thank thanks for the uh the backup. <laughs> I don't see him. 
Okay. I'm gonna All right. You care. go. You go be a mom. See ya. Bye. Bye. All right. That's Adrian, y'all. We love Adrian here. She's awesome. Uh, over on TikTok, hello. Hello, TikTok fam. Dr. Gray, I missed your channel. I'm sorry for what happened. It's all right. We'll get it back. We will get it back. Um, ascribing a good alternative to shadowing if I only have 30 hours of shadowing. Yeah, a lot of schools will say, you know what? Scribing, shadowing, same thing. It's all good. Um, hello, Fatih. Taking a break from studying. Just want to say thank you so much for your podcast. You are welcome. Zoe, you've asked a couple times thoughts on research. I think research is one of the most overrated parts of the application from a pre-med perspective. Um, research is great if you are interested in research. If you're not interested in research, there are better things to do with your time. So, uh, and if you are doing research, uh, the quality of research is not determined by whether or not you get a publication or re uh, um, uh, poster presentation, et cetera. Um, the quality of the research is determined by how well you understand it, how well you can talk about it, how well you can write about it, all that kind of good stuff. All right, uh, no more requests on Instagram. I think I'm gonna head out. Uh, it's been fun on TikTok and on IG Live today. Thank you all for coming, hanging out. This will be my my normal Friday thing. Um, next Friday, I think we're good to go. The Friday after that, I'm traveling, so, so there won't be one, but we'll be here. Uh, thanks everyone for showing up and hanging out. See ya. Thank you so much for joining me here on Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Did you know that we record these live on Facebook at 3 p.m. Eastern on most weekdays? Search for Medical School HQ on Facebook and like the page to be notified. Don't forget to check out our amazing Facebook group, The Hangout, at medicalschoolhq.net slash group. 